0: Amen. Amen. Thanks for leading us, Tom. Um, If you would like to follow along uh, where we're going to be in the Scriptures today, uh, we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 13. Um, I mentioned briefly earlier that we started a journey through the book of Acts uh, towards end of May, early June. And um, we will be working through the book of Acts like we have been kind of piece by piece pretty much all the way up until uh, Thanksgiving. Um, Where we are at in the book of Acts, uh, that being chapter uh, 13, starting at verse uh, 13, as it were, for those who have been following along very meticulously, you are my people, thank you. Um, we are kind of at a point in the narrative where we are pivoting from just some of these more miraculous, crazy stories of people that we would have never expected to be welcomed into the family of God, being welcomed into the family of God. We we read these stories of uh just Peter and Cornelius, if you're familiar with the the book of Acts at all, Uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. When we look closely at these stories and others like them, what we are seeing unfold before us is that this first generation of Christians, that is, those who belong to the way of Christ, are being led by this spirit that was given to them at this event called Pentecost, And the spirit among them is doing things that they've never seen and could have never imagined being done. And this first half of Acts is jam-packed with story after story after story of just just this image that I get is just the the gates of the kingdom of God just being pried open, just, just shooting open and welcoming people into that fold that were just not welcomed before. And the same thing is going to be true as we pivot here in chapter 13. However, our pivot is going to be centered from here on out around one particular person's missionary journey. And that is the who we kind of call the Apostle Paul, although when we first meet Paul in the book of Acts, his name is Saul. This is someone who uh, was a leader of uh, armies who persecuted the church, and then he himself has this dramatic conversion moment, and now the Spirit uh, gives him this call to be a missionary specifically to the Gentiles, and we're going to talk about the Gentile people group, in just a moment. But as far as the overall narrative of the book of Acts, that is where we are. We're we're pivoting towards the missionary life of Paul, and we're going to oversee his spirit-led journey throughout his ministry to the Gentiles. Our passage here, chapter 13, starting at uh, verse 13, is Paul arriving to Antioch for the first time as a missionary. Paul's been to Antioch before, but this is the first time where Paul is arriving as a missionary. And it would be during this time here in Antioch and the surrounding cities, just to kind of piece things together, is uh, these these experiences that he's going to have are going to inform the content of the book of Galatians. If you're familiar at all with the New Testament and how it's structured, there's a letter called Galatians, um, which is Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia, which is, a, which is a territory, a region, so to speak. And throughout chapters 13, 14, um, he's going to be at different places, and then he ends up writing this letter, and it's during this time where the content of Galatians kind of springs up. Uh, verses 13 through 41. I'm not going to read them, but it's a pretty exciting milestone for the Apostle Paul. Um, I would encourage you later this week to, to perhaps read it, but this is Paul's kind of like his first sermon, so to speak. We have language from Paul in previous chapters, but this is kind of like he has, he has stepped into his missionary calling. He has embraced it. He's here in Antioch, and he kind of gives his first sermon in a synagogue on a Sabbath day. And throughout this entire sermon of his, he offers a comprehensive presentation of the good news, which is really exciting. And he does this by, he, he doesn't actually start with Jesus. When he's talking about the good news, he actually starts with the nation of Israel and the Israelites' history because what he knows is that his audience in this moment, this sermon that he's giving in the synagogue is primarily to a Jewish audience that would resonate very deeply with the story of the nation of Israel. A lot of the people in the synagogue at that moment would be able to say, oh yeah, my great, 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 whatever, knew Moses (laughs) or something like that knew uh, the, the, the kings or lived under these king's territories, met one of these prophets maybe. And the people in the synagogue would know very much the, the Israelite history, and so he presents that. Then he presents the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Moving farther along in his sermon, he announces the fulfillment of prophecies, which is really cool because he's able to speak to those who might have been very familiar with the Scriptures And prophecies that are given what we call the Old Testament, for them, it was just the Scriptures. It wasn't called the Old Testament then. It's just the Scriptures. And he was able to say, these things that prophets said would happen, they happened. And then he appeals to those who are listening to receive the forgiveness of God. Um, What Paul says, essentially, if I could sum up his sermon, is that because of Jesus... Everyone who believes is set free from every sin, which is a justification that was not able to be obtained under a former law. He says this in verse 39. I'd like to pick up the story at verse 42, and I'm going to go ahead and read those verses for us. So if you're following along in, in some version of the Scriptures I would encourage you to find verse 42 here in in Acts chapter 13. We're picking up at the story after Paul's sermon, so to speak. And verse 42 says, as they were leaving the synagogue, after Paul's sermon, as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about those things during the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. They talked with them, and they urged them to continue on in the grace of God. One week goes by, and on the next Sabbath, almost the entire city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Here's an interesting turning point in verse 45. It's that when the Jews saw the crowds, they became filled with jealousy. See how quickly they went from encouraging Paul and Barnabas. This message actually brought a crowd way bigger than ours. (laughs) And they were immediately filled with jealousy. They began to contradict Paul and what he was saying. And they heaped abuse on him. And then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, saying, We had to speak the word of God to you first. But since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. And what they're about to do here is quote the prophet Isaiah. This is what the Lord commanded us, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, (laughs) and they honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. And we'll go ahead and, and stop there. As we see in the verses that we just read, that sermon definitely struck a chord with the city, (laughs) because we read that pretty much the whole city showed up to hear Paul speak. And in response of the jealousy over that crowd that Paul and Barnabas give to those Jewish folks who had become jealous, they make very clear their call in life by referencing the prophet Isaiah and I'd like to read Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6 in, in full. Paul and Barnabas quote a segment of it. And I hope that maybe for some of you, this particular verse is going to sound very familiar. If you've been uh, attending Reachway over our first two years of ministry, we're turning two years old next week, by the way. Get your party hats, that's exciting. Um, This is the verse from Isaiah that they're quoting. Uh, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to only restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel that I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This particular verse that Paul references has served as one of the primary inspirations for Reachway Church's ministry in our first two years. And as you may have picked up on, I emphasize the word reach. It's this verse that actually gives inspiration of Reachway's name. By the way, it's very difficult to name a church. Um, however, this is where we are this verse has inspired it, embedded in this prophetic calling, prophetic because the prophet Isaiah spoke it, God speaks through Isaiah, and it's a calling because it's an invitation. It's an invitation to whoever would receive such a calling for them to go out on mission with this prophecy and there's a few points worth noting. We're going to note two points today, but they both stem from the same truth that's implied in Paul's sermon. We're going to go over two things, but they both come from the same place. And that place is, there are many more people being invited into the kingdom of God than previously thought. That's the, that's the place that we're working from this morning is that there are a ton more people being invited into the kingdom than what was previously thought. To enter into our first point, I want to ask a hypothetical question. And you might be able to resonate with this hypothetical question. Um, Imagine going your whole life being told something. And it doesn't matter in this case what it is. And maybe you can resonate with that as you went your entire life, maybe you're still going your entire life, or maybe you can think of a moment where there was a long time where you heard this thing. Then maybe there was a moment where you found out that wasn't true or not fully true or something like that. The reason I ask that is because it's going to be a way for you to put yourself in the shoes of the Gentiles. Because this is a little bit about the Gentiles. Imagine going your whole life being told that because of where you were born and who your parents were, God was not interested in you. Imagine being told that specifically. Maybe we have all heard something over and over again in our lives. We can resonate with that concept. But imagine being told that because of just where you were born and who your parents were, God was not interested in you. And imagine if that same reality was true for the generation after generation of your ancestors. Because the reason that you heard it over and over again was because that that was handed down from generation to generation as man, God just not interested in us. If that was true, then you would believe it because you would kind of have no other, maybe something deep down in you would want to be like, that cannot be true. But you'd believe it if everyone else was saying that it was true, that not only cared about you, your family members, but others around you as well. It would just be believed. Gentiles, essentially, those who were not Jewish, are that people group in the Scriptures. But there's this moment, and we see it in Acts. We, we can really find it if we look close enough throughout the Scriptures, but it becomes profound in Paul's ministry where, in a way, God is saying to these Gentiles, this people group that has been turned back on for generation after generation, God says, in a way, through the ministry of Paul, I know what others think about you, And I know how that has shaped how you view yourself. But I want you to know that my love is for you as well. This, this in, in effect, is what God is saying through the ministry of Paul. I know what others say about you. I know that what they have said about you has shaped how you view yourself. But my love is for you. And here's the thing. Every time we see the word Gentile in the scriptures, bear, bear with me on this, it would be actually a healthy practice for us to remind ourselves that we are Gentiles. <laughs> it's true. I mean, we're, and maybe I'm speaking ignorantly. I, I, I know most of you, I don't think any of us in this room of those stories that I know and I'm speaking in very literal terms here, come from like a Jewish lineage, right? Um, that that's, could be ignorance of mine, but I think I know our stories. And if we're working with those two markers only, then we're Gentiles. Our ancestry is rooted in a people who for thousands of years were told that they were not loved by God. This is, our, this is our ancestry, and it's a humbling one. <laughs> if we were to go back thousands and thousands and thousands of years, our ancestry is rooted in a people that we're told they're just not loved by God. But because of God's love, because of God's purpose for creation, because of Jesus, because of Paul and those like Paul, who withstood persecution and hatred for presenting a gospel that was bad news for those in power. We talked about that about a month ago. It's that the gospel is bad news for some folks who need to be in power in order to operate. It's bad news for them, and and that is the gospel. When, when Paul says the Gentiles are in, he knocks down off of their high horse those that had positioned themselves on that high horse for so long it's that we are the only ones, we are the ordained ones, we're the anointed ones. And Paul says, hold on a minute. There's others here too. It's because of that shared ancestry And it's because of that ministry to the Gentiles that we too are welcomed into God's kingdom. So that's kind of like the first thing that I wanted to highlight here is out of this truth that there's way more people that are into the kingdom of God than we thought was true. Yo, that includes us. (laughs) We are those. If we were to look at other letters of Paul in the New Testament, we are the ones that have been grafted in. We are the ones that have been welcomed in, and it's not by our lineage. It's not by our, not by our ancestry. It's only because of the grace of God. That's us. And I'm just so thankful that Paul's ministry to the Gentiles has rung out generation after generation, made its way across oceans, and country borders, and it, and it reached us. Here we are. The second thing, stemming up from, there's a lot more people in the kingdom than maybe we once thought. The second thing is that it should inform how we approach the world and those around us. So the first one is that we should always be reminded that, hey, we have been saved as well. The second thing is then it should inform how we view the world around us. As we continue to explore the call of being ambassadors of God's reconciliation to anyone who's around us, we are an ambassador of God's love and mercy to whoever we're around, wherever we are, whenever we are. Are there. So I want to ask a question. This one's going to be a little less hypothetical, my first one being about, have you ever been told something your entire life? This one is a question that I would love for you to wrestle with for the rest of this morning and for the rest of this week. This is an actual question I want you to consider, is who around me or what people group around me have been told in both word and deed by others that they are too far from God's love? I'm going to repeat that question. Who around me, this is a question for us, all of us. Who around me, what people group around me through both actual words and or actions, have been told that God's love is just not for them. If we can answer that question honestly, we will soon be shown who we need to show the love of Christ toward, or at the very least, support those who are showing the love of Christ to those people. And as I was preparing this message, I can think of a few people groups that have been told time and time again, generation after generation, you are just too far from God's love. Whether it's a decision they make, a word that they say, a way that they think, a way that they look, hello. They have been told that you're just a little bit too far. It's those exact people that we need to be mindful of reaching with the love of God. This is what Paul does. This is what someone did for us, or what someone did for a parent of ours, or a grandparent, or a caregiver, or someone that showed us God's love towards us. This is what someone else did, and it reached us too. I want to say anything less. So, what I say there is we need to either see who we're supposed to love, Or we need to see how we can support others who are showing love to those people. And I want to say that anything less than that, anything less than taking some time in your home to pray for someone who is at the very least supporting someone who has been marginalized for so long is to have received an unlimited supply of a gift that saved you that you can share but just choose not to. That's what that is. To have received a gift that you are just convinced saved you. And that gift you can have to give others, and they become saved, but just simply decide not to do it. So, church, as we... as we. Prepare to gather around the table and eventually scatter from this place and be out, be shining lights in the world. We have to be asking ourselves who are the folks around me that through words and actions have been told by others for so long that they just did not care, that just didn't matter to God? And church, after we have asked that question, Paul asks that question, it's the Gentiles. Paul asked that question. He answered that question. He looked to the scriptures and he answered it. supposed to be a light to the Gentiles. This is exactly what I'm supposed to do. We have to ask a similar question. Who is around us right now that is just being turned back on and it's not only happening right now, but it has happened for far too long. Those are the exact people that you need to be mindful of in your life to start loving even more and or start supporting those who are on the front lines of those ministries to start loving those people even more. Here's the cool thing, is that through that very heavy responsibility, we find life that is even fuller than we could have imagined. So that when we can position ourselves from a way of thinking that is very focused on uh, just me, my family, my stuff. We read that parable in the Gospel of Luke earlier, just this idea of I'm worried about the stuff that's in my storehouse, and I'm good with that. If we can move from that place beyond... Where we can move this way, and if we were to look back, we would see that God is still providing. Just because we, we move on in our perspective doesn't mean that God isn't going to still provide back here. But what we do is that we move into a place where we have this purpose now, where that we can actually offer something to someone else. And that's a really cool feeling. Just human feeling instinct... It's just really nice to be able to do something for someone else, right? And all the more exciting to be able to lift a barrier off of a person or a people group that has just been weighing down on them and their family for so, so long. To be able to assist in the removal of that barrier, To be able to assist in the expression of dignity. Dignity that has been lost on this person, these people, for so long. To be able to fill in that gap. To be able to fill in that void with a beacon of light. You're going to start experiencing life. It's going to be even fuller than you think it is now. And those are going to be some really exciting times. And that's the challenge we receive Uh, this morning from the Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts. Um, It's a challenge for us. It's really good news, right? I mean, it's... I, I don't want us to miss, like, Paul's ministry to the Gentiles has reached us. That's really good news. And we just simply have good news to extend to others, which is also good news.